Rise and shine, baseball fans! It's time once again for a fresh dose of Major League Baseball analysis with the newest community in the game. Bringing together fans from all around the world from their broadcast headquarters in beautiful Southern California, it's Kenny. If what happened this week is any indication, I think we are in for one of the most wild and extravagant off-seasons maybe in baseball history. It's Nika. And you can see his impact already on the younger generations of kids. They all say, I want to be like Shohei. I want to do two-way baseball the way Shohei does. This is the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Yes, indeed. It is once again Friday, and it is time for another off-season edition of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and I am joined once again, as always, by my lovely co-host, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Hello, Kenny. How are you this morning? I see you drinking coffee. Is it hot enough for you? Yeah, it's it's losing its temperature quick, though, so I'm sure by the end of this, I'll be ready for another hot cup. Oh, nice. Yes, indeed. How are you this week? Fine. We had some rain today. I mean, yesterday. We we did. We had some uh, Southern California rain. It comes around every once in a while. Unfortunately, it took a while to like dry as well. It just kind of lingered. It did. It was humid. Humid and wet, but we good today. Yeah, and uh, looking like it's going to warm up again a little bit next week. So that's nice. Nevertheless, we are entering into the winter months here shortly in the rest of the country. So stay warm out there, everybody, with the Kanika Baseball Podcast in the off season. Uh, we'll be here every Friday giving you all of the news of the week, so to speak, because there's just not that much fit to print. Any- and uh, we're enjoying so far the, uh, the little break in the action, I think. It's given us some time to catch up on other things. And I, for one, have been taking advantage of that time. And I know you have been as well. Well, there's no games to watch, so that gives us more free time. However, there are always news about baseball. Well, there's no major league games. I've, I've been seeing like Acuna and Tatis playing like Dominican game. I, I, I don't know how that works. It's interesting. Almost like they're on like this off-season world tour in a sense, right? It's like, oh, we got to spread the game of baseball. So we got to have our stars playing in their home countries a little bit to kind of keep their stature, I guess, alive in those, you know, give them a little taste of the action. Is Tatis' dad managing that team? I, th- I think he was at one point during the season. But no, Acuna was being trained by him at one point. They after- talked about that and how he, he even, like, credited Fernando's dad, Fernando Sr., right, uh, for the helping him get ready for this MVP season that he just had. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Ronald Acuna Jr. was named NL MVP last night unanimously alongside Shohei Otani for the American League. We're going to be talking about all of the hardware that was given out this week during our Milestones segment a little bit later. A segment we've really grown to enjoy here on the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Wow. Really got that branding flowing out today. Really nice. popping it out there. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Pat myself on the back. Okay. Well, we did have the general managers meeting last week, which we talked about on the show. Nothing really major happened. We just talked. There's a lot of groundwork being laid for the winter meetings in December. But this week, we had the owners meetings in Arlington, Texas, where the World Series trophy now reigns supreme for the Texas Rangers. The owners, however, had to take care of some actual business yesterday, and the vote was finally done, and it was unanimous. The Oakland Athletics are moving to Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. 
So it's official. It is official. And they have one more year left in Oakland. <laughs> Man, that's going to be a interesting attendance year to measure. Well, maybe they're just going to have a lot of fans come in saying goodbye to the team. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think one thing that's fascinating and one thing that has kind of come out of this situation is that the Oakland Raiders have already moved kind of to Las Vegas in the NFL side of things. And mm -hmm. yeah, they had a little bit more of a rocky road. Like they've, they've been the Los Angeles Raiders and then the Oakland Raiders again and now the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas now has a hockey team that's been successful with uh, regards to winning the Stanley Cup. So Vegas is basically a sports town now. And California's crowded. It's got five teams. It's a huge state for sure. But baseball, I, I don't know. I don't hate this move. I think it sucks for any diehard Oakland A's fan for sure. But at the same time, it's not like it's an undrivable distance. You know? It's not that far, for sure. You can make that trip. You can make a weekend out of it if you really want to. Yeah, if you want to continue to be an A's fan and go to games, I got to feel that there's like a way for you to keep that in your life without just, oh, I got to be a Giants fan now, I guess. Well, no, you don't have to. I really hope the A's keep the name. It fits with the Vegas theme of things. Yeah, it definitely does. Pocket A's. Just, just make them aces. Vegas aces. <laughs> Well, they should definitely get a couple of pitching aces out there. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think they necessarily have them on their staff right now. Hold on. So if A's are moving, I know the Vegas has not approved that lot yet, or maybe they're in the process, whatever. It's not important. But they are not being sold. They're just moving to Vegas. So it's the same yeah, ownership. Yeah, they're just moving to Vegas. And I, I, I do believe that like a lot of the stadium proposals have have already been passed and it's like the Nevada teachers union that is kind of got their hands up and arms over it because you know obviously the stadium is getting public funding and they're I'm sitting there wondering like why my classroom can't get books I see their point it's definitely something that should be looked at and it's a talked issue. about it's a bigger issue but for the means of this conversation, the Oakland A's are heading to Vegas and they're going to have a stadium there and play there in 2025, it sounds like. But they're going to keep the same ownership. Yes. These so guys are going to remain the owners. Now, a lot of the Oakland fans thought that this ownership was part of the problem. And if you've ever seen the 1988 film, Major League, you'll see that owners can manipulate deals with cities to move their team if they want to. And I, I saw Jeff Passan, I think, of ESPN put out a tweet that basically showed how much money the Oakland A's spent on their team over the past, like, 15, barely it, barely anything. They were riding in the lower third of Major League Baseball spending during most of that time. And this is when they had Billy Bean as their general manager, the, the money ball guru himself. Well, we know from that movie that A's are not the spenders, just we, from the well, movie. Well, that was a different owner. Okay. That was a, in 2001. This this okay. ownership group took over, I believe, in 2006. Sorry if I'm wrong about that, but it, it wasn't the ownership group that was in the movie. Okay. And this is a different owner, but Billy Bean worked with this owner for years, and you got to figure that that was part of the attraction of owning the A's was that, oh, we have this great general manager who's like this money ball mastermind, and he can get a lot out of this roster without us having to spend a lot of money. But as we know, it doesn't always work out that way. It does not. And also, we know how the game has changed now. 
And you need both outlooks. You need uh, gut feeling. The Dusty Bakers of the world that manage a lot off of how they feel that day, Mm -hmm. I guess, for lack of a better word. But they manage on the finesse and feeling of the individual game. Maybe like... They watched a game. They they watched a guy warm up, you know, five hours ago, and it's stuck in their mind that he didn't look right today or something. Right. I don't know. Like, they just go off feelings or whatever. You need both. You really but do. you also have the analytical money ball guys. So you got to, like, take that into account, and you got to have both, like you said. You got to have a, a healthy mixture. Mm-hmm. You got to have some balance. You can't just go one way or the other. And you got to have a manager that's not Versatile shaky and both. can make a decision in the moment to decide like what we're going to go with in this moment. Yeah. So anyways, the A's will now be the Las Vegas athletics. You know, that's not bad. If you go to Vegas, you can catch a baseball game if you want to. Well, I have a lot more reason to go to Vegas now. I know. We don't really go to Vegas. No. It might be a good time to go next year. Maybe not this year. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I hope we can stay at that hotel and just stay there, catch a three-game series, and probably do a podcast review of it. Well, just bring our gear <laughs> over there and do a podcast while we're there. We could. Yeah, maybe. Look we could do it from our room live. You used our property without our consent. It's a hotel. How many reporters get into hotels and broadcast their review or anything, actually? Fair use, baby. That's not what fair use is, so please do not take me at my word. The A's are moving to Vegas. That's yeah. a done deal. The only other thing that came out of the owners' meetings that I saw that was worth mentioning is this: they, they did change a rule. And I, I got to say, it's a head-scratcher. What rule did they change? They, they they changed this rule involving the pitching clock when runners are on base. So if a runner gets on base, instead of 20 seconds for a pitching clock, you now have 18 seconds. What's the two seconds? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why this was needed. I mean, are we trying to just get to that magic like 2.30 number or something? I'm saying two hours and 30 minutes of game time or what? Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Watch the two second change. It's going to create more Tommy John surgeries. Well, and this is what I'm kind of like bringing this up for is that a lot of injuries happened last year to starting pitchers across the league. We saw Jacob DeGrom to you Darvish, Joe Musgrove, a lot of weird like shoulder fatigues. Otani, Otani's elbow got lost. Tommy John's surgeries were happening last season. A lot. A lot. And then you have the other side of the discussion, which is like, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about Blake Schnell with his hardware. Ken Rosenthal wrote a article this week about why he voted for Schnell and why it was kind of hard. And we looked at Bob Gibson and Sandy Koufax and the mad dog, Chris Russo, the the one who didn't retire when he like basically said he would if the Diamondbacks made the World Series. So, But he had a video out and I watched it. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I'm feeding the mad dog's YouTube channel. But I watched it. But he did bring up a couple of seasons, Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson. and And it was like, 310 innings pitched under a two ERA for the whole season. And you look at Schnell and it's like 180 innings. That's That's leaving a lot of innings out there, baby. 130 innings. Like that's a little over a half. This is where we are in 2023. Well, we're going to talk about the Padres too. It's a good time to 
transition into the Padres, but to put a little bow on Blake Schnell conversation here before we get to the award winners, because I feel like I'm giving them all away here before we even get there. But we had to talk about it because of the pitching count and the numbers. The innings totals were down. The walks that he won the Cy Young with are like traditionally way high. He was in the 90s, I think, close to 100 walks this year. That's like unprecedented for Cy Young winner. He also had an 86.3% hold rate. So when runners got on base, 86.3% of the time, they did not score. So he gets out of the trouble he gets himself in. He did get out of trouble this year, but you could also maybe say that that's luck in some ways. In some ways, because he might not be able to do that continuously coming next season or following season. Yeah, we'll get into Blake and, and everything in a minute. But I thought it was worth bringing up just really quick because I kind of brought up the starting pitching issue. But look, we got to talk about the Padres and we got to talk about Peter Seidler, who tragically passed away this week at the age of 63, born in 1960. And this was just kind of a heartbreaking end to what I would call a man that wanted the Padres to win a ring before he died. And there has been some chatter that the reason there was $250 million on the field this year in San Diego was because they really wanted to win a ring for him before he passed away. They knew he's in declining health, so but I'm sure he that's is, yeah. He is looked at and regarded as the man who single-handedly has sort of revived San Diego baseball. And to his credit, and we talked about this a lot on the podcast this year, that stadium is sold out almost every night. And and for a team that was underperforming as much as they were this year and such so hard to watch, that is impressive. It speaks to his work in the community to get people in the seats and believing in this team. And I think that's what makes the the ultimate, the season even more disappointing for me. As a Padres fan, it it was not pretty, and it it was ultimately almost heartbreaking because it was supposed to go the opposite direction 100%. And instead, this team did not play with a sense of urgency. And meanwhile, their owner is probably literally fighting for his life, like throughout most of the season. Well, you cannot go back and uh, renegotiate everything from the... Well, you can't replay the games. With Peter Seidler's death, now there's this vacuum in the Padres organization. We already knew from reporting that they are looking to cut their payroll down. You know, there's been a lot of talk that they need to trade Juan Soto because they need to get his $30 million in arbitration that he's going to get this year off of their books. And then... There's also been some sort of like defensive pushback to that where you have guys like John Heyman who works for the New York Post and Major League Baseball saying that the Padres are not trading Juan Soto and it's not happening. So it's kind of left me wondering, okay, your owner just died. Your team is looking to cut spending. You also have no manager and we know that Peter Seidler's ownership share is in a trust. So it will be inherited by somebody, but that's going to be worked out. You know, that doesn't just happen overnight. There's a process involved. So the business doesn't stop running. So there's been an interim now person put in charge of the team. What I'm getting at basically is we we don't know what the plan is in San Diego and a new owner or, or a new majority shareholder, even if it's like somebody in Peter Seidler's family, may not agree with Peter about the direction the team was going in. And I'm looking at specifically AJ Preller right now, who's been given like a longer than normal leash in a lot of people's minds when 
dealing with this team, like he's hired four managers, like generally a general manager gets two managerial hires, maybe a third, but never like four going on five. You are hanging on by a very thin thread, <laughs> and I dig that about you. So he's been given extended leeway here, but he's also brought in like some really phenomenal young talent and continues to do so with two top 10 prospects right now. And, and one of them is not even 18 years old yet. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a hard guy to judge because he does seem to find these remarkable talents. And he still has two top 10 prospects, even after unloading the farm last year for Juan Soto. So he's kind of in the limbo too. He still has a contract with the San Diego Padres for another couple of years. Well, a According to people in Twitterverse and the whisperers around baseball, Preller was like a son to Peter Seidler. And Peter Seidler wanted to give him every opportunity to succeed in the role. And whether or not a new owner is going to give him that same leeway, I would generally tend to say no. So I think that puts A.J. Preller on a really short leash when it comes to his future with the team. Now, I do think he could also fail upwards and become a team president and, and also have another general manager figure come in because you got to recognize that Preller has this talent for finding young players and you want to keep that part of it. But maybe he doesn't put the best team on the field all the time or make the best decisions with like, why did they sign Xander Bogarts last year? There are some questionable contracts. And Jake Cronenworth, that massive extension that he just hit the bed last year. No offense, Jake, but you barely batted 200, dude. Um, you were a 240, 250 hitter before this. Like, that's that's shitting the bet. Those 30 points matter in baseball. We've seen it. We've seen how much it can affect the game. So, yeah, there is this whole what the hell is going to happen in San Diego. Now, there's also the managerial spot that's vacant that you mentioned. So Preller's going to be given probably leeway here to hire a manager. And then if it doesn't work out, you know, I think they're all gone. And so this is probably the last shot at hiring a manager. And now with the Brewers signing, I, I don't even remember who they signed. Somebody within the organization. Yeah, we're bad baseball hosts today. Sorry, sorry, Brewers fans. But they promoted within. So the point is the Padres are the only team now left without a manager. And I think it's a big deal because they do need to fill out a roster. They they still are going to like be looking around at players in free agency. And I just don't think you can necessarily sign anybody without a manager like the players want to know who they're playing for if you sign a guy and you don't know it at the time that he has a bad history with somebody you might be inviting issues into your clubhouse that were previously there you don't want to do that no you have to be careful with that there's few managers available to be hired absolutely there's David Ross, there's Benji Gill, his name has been mentioned a lot in the conversation. There's internal hires, Ryan Flaherty and, oh, what's his name? Schilt. I always forget his first name. Mike. Mike, thank you. Mike Schilt won like, what, 22 games in a row with the Cardinals a couple of years back to get them into the playoffs? I wouldn't be surprised if Padres nominate somebody from within because it's a safer bet at this point. You already know who you have on your team. Yeah, I just worry that they need a fresh here. voice. And these guys, some of these guys like Flaherty and, and even Schilt, they've been around these players now a couple of years. That's my major concern with it. It's like, is it enough of a new voice just to promote somebody that they already know? I, I don't know. I, I think you need more than that. And and so I hope they go outside. Okay. That's me, me personally. So I, I'm, I'm rooting for like a Benji Gill or... Like even a Joe Madden or somebody that's been there and done it and, and 
also can manage the egos. Mm -hmm. There are so many egos on this team between Machado, Tatis, even Musgrove, and they're good players. They should have ego a little bit, but you need a Phil Jackson type to to juggle these super talented players, but also guys that are kind of into themselves a little bit too. And they want to have that individual success and team success. And you need a manager that finds a way to get all of that out of everybody. It's possible. It is. We, we saw it with the 90s Bulls teams. Yeah. The Patriots teams, the NFL. You might have to have a little different approach to so many egos on your team versus if you just manage one or two. Absolutely. So I think that catches us up to Padres land, but they need to figure out their managing situation very soon. I'm going to check my Twitter. There's 15 notifications. Maybe, maybe we get a breaking news on the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I doubt it. Let's see here. And we got nothing, but we do have a breaking news. We do. To put into the milestones segment. And with that, I think we will turn it over to the milestones section. Get ready for great. By far. My greatest achievement. We stand here amidst my achievement. That record's going to hold for a while, let me tell you. Just don't touch my records. Ever. Yes, that's right. We are not going to tear down anybody's records. And we did have some records last night. But we got to bring it back to Monday. It was awards week here in Major League Baseball. And we had... Kicked it off on Monday with the Rookie of the Year award winners. And in the American League, it was Brigadier Gunnar Henderson for the Orange Birds, the Baltimore Orioles. Congratulations to you, Gunnar Henderson. You are the American League Rookie of the Year. On the National League side of things, it was, of course, Corbin Carroll from the Arizona Diamondbacks winning the Rookie of the Year. Snakes in the grass, you'd better move fast. You'll be poisoned or be strangled to death. I don't think anybody was surprised by this after he put up uh, 25 home run, 50 stolen base season. I think he had actually had 52 stolen bases. Very, very, very impressive numbers for a rookie at 23 years young. And we we caught a little bit of manager Tori Lavolo's speech. The Diamondbacks were having a uh, team gathering on Monday night, and Tori Lavolo, the head manager, brought up Corbin Carroll and, and made this nice speech about him. If you wanted to say. A couple of things from my heart. Uh, congratulations, Corbin. We have watched you grow up in our system. We have been pulling for you. Um, this was something that we all felt was a strong possibility. It was your focus, your tenacity, and belief that you were going to be something special. And it just landed on square one as a National League Rookie of the Year. There are so many more great moments that lie ahead. We enjoy this day as a group, but promise me that at some point tonight you sit back and cherish what you did. This is an awesome accomplishment, and for the rest of your life, much like Evan Longoria, you will be the Rookie of the Year for 2023. And I just want to say a heartfelt congratulations. I love you like my own son. This is not an accident. This is an unbelievable accomplishment. Congratulations. Cheers to you. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, that was a super nice thing to say. I hope the other players are okay with it. You know, every coach is going to have favorites. I don't care what they say, even at the professional level. But it's hard to not 
have Corbin Carroll be one of your favorites when he had the season that he did as a young player. And I, I've learned a lot about him. I was skeptical of Corbin Carroll. He's not the biggest guy. Yeah. He also had a really bad shoulder injury a couple years ago. And at one point this season, it looked like he may have re-injured that shoulder. And I was really concerned for him. Corbin Carroll has a lot of torque on his swing, if you watch it. And if that front shoulder is going to be damaged in any way going forward, it's going to have a significant impact on his power. So it made me scared for him. Now, he responded excellent. He, he came back strong from that injury. So it looks like for all intents and purposes, in the meantime, the coast is clear on the shoulder. But I do think it's something that we need to watch in his career as it progresses forward. A lot of players win Rookie of the Year. Not a lot of players get into the Hall of Fame. So it's an exclusive club, and I hope he has the pedigree and the numbers to get there. I know a lot of baseball card collectors out there that are picking up his cards this year are hoping for the same, but it's a long journey to get to the end. It is, and also next year will be interesting to see whether he goes through the sophomore slump or he just... Yeah. It was through as like nothing happened. It'll be very interesting. And and again, I, I kind of put that on coaching around him and, and whether or not he presses too much mm-hmm. or not. I always feel like baseball is a game that you play the best when you're not thinking, when you're not trying to hit a home run or you're not trying to throw a no hitter. That's when you do it. You you allow your mechanics to speak for you, yeah. basically. You stop thinking, your mechanics take over, you're reacting, mm-hmm. and that's when you're playing your best baseball. That's why it bothers me to watch guys strike out looking when the pitch is right down the middle of the plate because it's obvious to me that they were just guessing up there. And a real hitter like Ichiro or even Corbin Carroll, I've seen them both do amazing things. And Corbin Carroll, by the way, has a very similar hitting approach to Ichiro because he grew up in Seattle admiring the guy. He modeled his game off of Ichiro. He plays right field like Ichiro. So I hope Corbin Carroll's the next Ichiro. That would be amazing for baseball. But we got to get there first. Yeah. Let's not anoint, you know, kings before they're knights. That's a King Arthur reference right there for you. Thanks. But anyways, really nice speech from Tori Lavolo about Corbin Carroll and wishing him a prosperous career going forward. And for all you baseball card collectors out there, I know you're hoping for the same. All right, these guys, their baseball cards are not going to be worth jack shit, I promise you. But they still want some hardware this week. We're talking about the managers of the year, of course. Come on, who doesn't love a good managerial autograph card? I'll tell you who, I don't. That's not (laughs) what I want to get when I open my tops box. Did you get any manager card at all? Uh, not, not, Not lately. Okay. I might have taken like a Dusty Baker card. That'd be cool. Oh, okay. Well, he's retired, so that might be worth something. Yeah, possibly. Till he's no longer retired. All right. Well, the votes are in, and a little bit of a head-scratcher for me this year with managerial awards. Um, I'll start with the AL because that's not too surprising. The winner this year was Brandon Hyde, the manager, of course, of the Orange Birds, the Baltimore Orioles. So the Baltimore Orioles, two for two in hardware here in our postseason awards with Gunner. And now the manager, Brandon Hyde. So congratulations to him. But the head scratcher for me was in the NL, and that was with Skip Schumacher. And yes, I know the Marlins made the playoffs. I get it. But uh, hello, the Diamondbacks made the World Series, and nobody had them winning anything either. In fact, everyone had San Diego winning the West, finally, which... Did not happen at all. And the Dodgers yeah. being in the playoffs. The Dodgers were in the playoffs and did win the division, but the Diamondbacks swept them. I would really think Tori Lavolo will be at least mentioned. He did get votes. 
He did. But okay. He was fourth. Like Craig Council was ahead of him. I was like, why? Why? I, I, I didn't get these votes. And I know maybe it's supposed to be based on the regular season, but still, come on, man. The Diamondbacks were not projected to finish higher than fourth. The Giants were supposed to finish ahead of them. I, I just think Ma- Major League Baseball screwed this one up a little bit. I feel like this was Tori Lavolo's award, and he didn't get it. So he got snubbed. In my opinion, he got the snub job. All right, well... Now you know my thoughts on that. We're going to turn it over to the Cy Young Award winners. And I I really have no arguments against either of these winners. It was Garrett Cole for the Yankees picking it up in the American League. Obviously, Garrett Cole had an excellent season despite the Yankees not making the playoffs. But definitely looked like an ace at times up there. I I know he had a couple eight-inning games against the Blue Jays late in the season. So definitely has been impressive up there. The... National League, it was a clear-cut choice. Blake Schnell wins. We talked about it earlier. He did this despite the 180 or so innings, and we, we looked at some of those past seasons by some great pitchers. Yeah, some baseball writers are having a tough time with this, and pitching is starting to get scrutinized, starting pitching, and I think it's weak right now when it comes to the, the game. I think players are being babied too much, and I think Blake Schnell is kind of the poster child for that, believe it or not, as somebody that's watched him play a lot since 2021. I want to remind people last year that like he had a 48-pitch inning, and despite the fact that he had this great season, I, did, I don't think Blake Schnell has done anything to change his game to prevent that from ever happening again. It may not happen again, but I think it is possible that it happens again at some point because the walk he had this big article in august basically defending that he walks guys and like that's just his game man that's just my game and i want to remind people that when the calendar flips from september to october and all of a sudden you start walking four guys in five innings of a game or or five like you're gonna lose if you watch the starting pitching this year in the postseason with the rangers like eovaldi Montgomery. They weren't walking guys. In fact, they were doing the opposite. They were pitching with extreme control. I think in four starts against the Astros, between the two of them, they had one walk and all four starts combined. Combined. This guy can't even get through four innings without giving up four walks. I wonder what would his strategy be during the playoffs? The strategy would say the same. My point is the pressure is going to go up tenfold. How are you going to handle that? I want to point out that somebody clapped at him on social media this week, and Blake Chanel clapped back a little bit. But the gist of the clap from the poster was basically like, you know, you pitch five innings and throw 105 pitches every time you go out and pitch. And for the most part, it's true. You know, like he he generally goes between five and six innings and he throws like 105. I've seen him throw more. We've seen him throw 90. And But it seems like to me, the bigger problem is Blake Schnell feels like if he pitches six innings that his job is done. Like that's my job. I am supposed to go out there and give six innings. And when you look at that as your job, that's basically what you get. He doesn't look at himself beyond anything like that. And and that's kind of my issue with him. It's like, where's the competitive spirit? Where is the desire to be like, I'm going all nine tonight? And, and he robs his own fans of seeing him do something special. He has all his talent and skill in the world. He does. And yet it's his mentality that like, oh, I'm only supposed to go six. Maybe one time this year he went seven innings. One start only. Yep. Everyone was less than that. Dwight Gooden in 1984 had 16 complete games at the age of 20. And this is what I'm getting. People can probably argue with me and say like, yeah, well, his arm fell off. 
Yeah, well, he had Tommy John surgery in the 90s. He still pitched for like seven or eight seasons before that happened. And I believe he was also a huge cocaine head, and, and everyone knew that, or at least knows it now. How did that affect his career? You know, but my bigger point here is like, this is where we've come from 1984 to 2023. A rookie throwing 16 complete games, or or his second season, I think, 16 complete games, and then you have Schnell now with zero in his career. I want to remind people and two Cy Young awards. Like it's not a good trajectory for baseball when it comes to pitching. Baseball is this magical game where if you kind of have a a sense that something magical can happen at any moment like the kevin costner movie for love of the game is about that you can just have some 40 year old guy go out in the middle of august at the end of a season and just do something that only 23 or 24 other people in baseball have ever done and throw a perfect game all right well i think we've said enough about blake he won the cy young i don't have any argument against him winning it because of the fact that i think just starting pitching performances are just down across the board in general and i I do think, you know, to your point about Verlander, he did have that good start in September in Seattle. It was a huge moment. The Astros needed that game. So for him to go up there and just clamp it down, go the distance, he, he did come out in the ninth, but he got to the ninth and he was dominant the whole night and didn't give the Mariners a chance, basically. Right, but you never he, see that with Blake Schnell. You're never going to get that from Blake Schnell. You're never going to be able to hand him the ball and be like, hey, man. I need you to go the distance and save the bullpen tonight. That's not your guy. Yeah. Now, and that's why I feel like I'll be very curious to see how baseball views him in this offseason. And, and there's talks of him getting like upwards of close to $200 million. And good luck to that team and their fan base. You're going to be getting one of the most high-costing, stressful players to ever watch. He will walk guys in critical situations and force. He, he'll look like sweating up there if you don't watch him. And you don't know. You don't know what you're in for. However, if he gets some coaching, he might get better. Padres did not allow him to get better. They, I, I, I agree, too. I mean, I don't think they challenged him they to be better. That's him, no. that's the bigger problem. I also don't know how he will respond to being challenged if he is by new management or coaches. If he were my player, I would definitely be challenging him to do better because other players have been. You are capable and I want you to give your fans special moments like Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan said, I had to play at a certain level every night because I didn't know if somebody was watching me for the first time that night in the audience. That's a good approach. Well, Blake Schnell is a huge sneaker guy. So why don't you take some lessons to heart from the people that actually wore those sneakers that you love so much and and give your fans something special every time they come and see you play. Stop thinking about yourself and stop being so damn selfish because you're just a selfish player to me. Yeah. All right. Well, there was only two more pieces of hardware that were handed out and we already gave it away at the beginning of the show. That was, of course, the MVP awards. And it was unanimous for the first time in history in both the National and the American League. It was Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Atlanta Braves with his 40-70-73 season. I think it was 73 stolen bases he finished. Very impressive. Might not ever be touched again, even by him. And then on the American League side of the ball, it was, of course, Shohei Otani, who, for the second time in his career, was unanimously voted MVP. He, of course, won it in 2021 as well. And this, despite missing all of September, I think he's one of the first 
MVP winners to miss the entire month of September. And still win it. And still win it and winning it unanimously. That's pretty crazy. But he did have the most home runs in the American League. He did. So he was on fire in June and July. Absolute fire. Well, congratulations again to both of those fine young men, fine young baseball players, upstanding in their communities. And for Shohei, the biggest free agent in the history of baseball right now. And uh, hasn't been claimed yet by no team. If you read Bob Nightingale's Twitter, which maybe you shouldn't to keep your eyes clean, you'll know that he's also about to become a very rich man. Like, who gives a shit, man? Of course we know he's going to get a big contract. Jesus. Who isn't playing baseball? professional baseball yeah tell me what tell me that bob what name me one a player on the 40-man roster who's poor compared to like i don't know skid row you want to go take a look jesus these guys live in a bubble and it, it really is annoying sometimes to follow establishment media and journalism because it sounds so snarky. Like, do they not realize how it sounds from a distance? Like, Shohei Utani, who's about to become a very rich man. That's like, wins the MVP award. Why do you have to put the subjective middle in there? There was no issues when Aaron Judge got his biggest contract last year. Not to mention that Shohei Otani earned every penny he's about to make in his life and did something that everyone else said you can't do. And a bunch of other people said like, okay, Shohei Otani is the only one that was like, ha ha ha, no, basically. And now he's a New Balance poster child. I got me some New Balance shoes. And they look so good on you. No, thank you. Yes, no problem. You haven't seen the new New Balance branding. It's pretty cool. It's kind of cute. I check it out. All right. Well, we handed out all the hardware. We talked about the poor passing of Peter Seidler and the fallout from what's going to happen in San Diego now. And of course, we talked about the A's moving to Las Vegas. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. But before we get out of here, I want to just remind everyone to please subscribe and share the love of our show, even in this off season. We keep the fire warm here over at the Kanika Baseball Podcast. So you can always dial us up on your podcast app of choice and stay warm over there, friends. We bring the heat over here. We do. (laughs) Lots and lots of heat. Well, we'll share our Southern California heat with y'all, especially when it's here for us. It's not necessarily here for us right now. Okay, I talk too much. It's time to get out of here. You can contact us if you have any comments or questions at kanikadaily at gmail.com. And yes, I promise I will update this email address in the off season, okay? Just back off. I'm busy. But if you really want to get a hold of us urgently, I recommend looking up Kanika Baseball on Twitter, Facebook, threads instagram even youtube Uh, we have a little presence there as well so come find us come connect with us come say hello and we will share the spirit of baseball together especially through this holiday season yay all right that's all i got nika you got anything you did a really nice conclusion of the show oh well cheers happy friday everybody happy friday have a wonderful weekend y'all have a wonderful weekend and a week ahead and we will see you again next friday for i guess we'll be doing some kind of thanksgiving edition of the podcast black friday edition friday edition before thanksgiving okay yep black friday and then uh we'll be about two weeks till the owners meetings so okay until then everybody we'll talk to you soon adios bye
this is what you need. Yeah, I'm gonna stop, you can proceed, cause this is what you need. 